We say, it's kind of interesting, we say Happy New Year, right? We've said that to one another this morning a few times. Go ahead, you can put it up there. Happy New Year. And I was wondering this week, I was just thinking about, why do we say that? Like, we say Merry Christmas because we know great joy came on the Christmas morning, but what, what is it, why is it we say Happy New Year? Like, are we, are we believing that, are we saying that the next year is going to be a happy year? It's going to be better than last year? Um, just get happy. I mean, you know, I've just been thinking about this. Like, why? I wonder when it started. Anybody do any research on this? Like, when did that become a thing? You know, you know, 2023 actually refers to the day of the Lord. You know, your calendars are actually testifying of Jesus. I wonder if year one was a happy year or two or three or 30. I wonder what we're thinking when we say, Happy New Year. Um, just for a moment, Marla led us into something I want us to grab a hold of. Like she said, let's, let's make sure that we are grateful for the good things that happened in 2022 because that positions you for actually increase of the kingdom for 2023. Thankfulness invites increase. Did you guys know that? And, and so 2022, you know, let's just take a moment. What's one thing you can turn to your neighbor and say that God did in 2022 that I'm very thankful for. Go ahead, do that. One thing, turn to your neighbor. One thing that you're thankful for. Young people, one thing, Zeke, what's one thing for 2022 you're thankful for? Somebody find a neighbor. Some of you are by yourselves. Get close to somebody. I know we don't have a big crowd today, but... uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay, now here, let's do something else for fun. In fact, I'm, I'm going to have you stand because some of you are going to have to move to get to, to somebody. I want everybody to have a partner for just a moment. All right, everybody stand. I want, to, I want you to find a partner real quick. Somebody to connect with. All right, we're family. So let's, let's be family, okay? Here's why I want to ask the question. Some of you guys are still saying what you're thankful for. That's awesome, 2022. What would happen in 2023 that you would say that would be a happy year? Like, what what would we want to see happen in 2023 that you go, when I said Happy New Year, I didn't realize I was prophesying happiness over my year because this happened. All right? I want you to share that with some that person you're connected to. What is the one thing that could happen in 2023 that would make it a happy year? Okay, here we go. Here's how I want you to respond to each other, okay? Just take just take a brief second and declare it over that person. What that person wants to see happen, 23, say, in the name of Jesus, I decree it. Go ahead, just decree it over one another. Back and forth. There's two of you, so one grill first. 
And then the other one turned back and say, I agree in Jesus' name, I decree it. After you're done, you can go ahead and sit down. In Jesus' name, we agree. The blessings of the Lord on our family. The blessings of God on our family. Just out of curiosity, how many of you mentioned family members or loved ones coming to Jesus? How many of you? Yeah, I felt, felt that's like in the, in the heart of God. I felt like that's a prophetic moment for you to receive it. We come into agreement all across this room. There are people that said, if this person got saved, if my family members came to know Christ, I just come into agreement. 2023 be a year of salvation. Can we agree? 2023 is a year of salvation. Well, 2022 ended kind of rough. It was a good year in many aspects. We got two new grandchildren. Come on. One's right back there, Maverick and uh, Aurora. Uh, We got amazing. um, We had... We have a new building and uh, lots of good things, um, but it ended in a fury, like 2022, like came through like a lion. You know, we got snow, we got snow drifts, we got cold, we got wind. Yeah, we got sickness. Um, I missed the candlelight, the first candlelight Christmas we were going to ever have. You guys had it without me. Because I was sick, you know. It, I mean, 2022 ended in kind of a kind of a fury of some hard stuff for the valley and for Alaska. For a lot of people, actually, in the United States, the weather has been really challenging. Um, and actually, if you do any studying and research right now, you're going to find out that across America, actually across the planet, um, there is an epidemic called anxiety that's hitting the culture hitting society. Um, People are worried about the future. People are concerned about what's going to happen to our dollar, what's going to happen with inflation, what's going to happen in D.C. People are concerned about our schools. People are concerned about how the nations or Russia and uh, over there and what's happened over there in the Middle East. And there's a lot of people that are anxious for 2023. And what the world needs is a good dose of hope. Hope. And what the world needs is the church being filled up with hope. Biblical hope. Not cultural hope, where I wish something would happen. I, I know I was thinking about the Unfreeds and, and Lincoln Chud, like one of the things that would make this year a great year is if the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. <clears throat> yeah, somebody else. Um, <laughs> But really, when that's wishful thinking, that's I'm wishing this happens. Biblical hope isn't isn't wishful thinking. We've talked about biblical hope. It's a, I have a definition up here. It's the joyful and confident expectation of good. I have it there, William. I promise. It's a joyful. Say that joyful and confident expectation of good. Joyful and confident expectation of good. 
Um, actually, the Apostle Paul was thinking about the church in Rome, and like he prayed this prayer, Romans 15, 13, go back one, um, William. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Somebody say joy. And peace. Somebody say peace. In believing. So that you will abound. I love the word abound. It means to be overflow, uncontainable. Somebody say uncontainable. That you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a joyful and confident expectation of good. The good is coming. Somebody make that declaration. Good is coming. Not because of the circumstances that are coming in 2023, but because of the nature of God. Because of the nature of God, you have confidence. I, I, I ran across this scripture this week, Psalm 112, 6 through 9. It starts out this way. The righteous shall not be shaken. They do not fear bad news. Wow. Somebody say no fear. As we move into 2023, I can't guarantee there's not going to be any bad news. In fact, I probably can guarantee because we live in the world and Jesus hasn't come back yet, there's going to be some bad news in 2023. But I got good news. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be fearful. Why? Because of the one you're with. Look what it goes on to say. The righteous shall not be shaken. They do not fear bad news. They confidently trust in the Lord to care for them. They are confident and fearless. Somebody say fearless. I love that. And can face their foes triumphantly. In fact, they're so secure in their destiny and who they are, they share freely and give generously to those in need. There's so many Breakthroughs happen with Santa Cobb. We got to give some testimony sometime up here. It's amazing because you all people, you're, you're so convinced of the goodness of God. You're reaching out to people with biblical hope. They share freely, give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. In other words, the Lord's taking note and they will have influence and honor. Chris Valentin says the person in the room with the most hope has the most influence. Psalm 34, 8, David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed, that word can actually be translated happy. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, taste. In other words, he used in physical senses, partake, drink. Because our refuge is in him. Refuge is not a term that that we use in our culture very much, but it means shelter. It means place of safety, security, a harbor, a port in a storm. He is your safe place. This is an eternal, an internal reality. How come we can say have a happy new year it has nothing to do with the circumstances of life, it has everything about the internal reality of your soul? Because you're choosing to anchor your soul to the rock that cannot be shaken, right? You're choosing to anchor your soul to Christ Jesus, who is secure and safe and the victorious one. David says in Psalm 73, 28, but as for me, the nearness of God is my good. 
I have made the Lord God my refuge. Could we today, on January 1st, 2023, make a determination of heart, a declaration personally and corporately that the nearness of God is our good? Like this is my number one pursuit for 2023 is the nearness of God. All the other stuff is awesome. I got a lot of other goals, but this is the one thing I'm going to anchor my soul to. It's the nearness of God. The number one pursuit, um, as many of you know, uh, I was sick this past week, and uh, by the grace of God, I'm here. Brenda now has it. Pray for her that it's not as long as it hit me. Um, but it put me, it put me in a place where I had to be still. There's one thing good about being sick. All of a sudden, you have a reason to say no to all other obligations. Even though you don't want to, a lot of times you go, I want to do those things, like, kind of like Christmas. Um, uh, but you're, you're, you're put in this place of stillness. And when I was there on Monday, I listened to a message that actually, uh, Clay introduced this guy named Tyler Statton to me, a pastor. He's now um, in or- Bridgetown in, in uh, Portland. His message was, be still. I put it up there so you guys can take a picture and go listen to it. It's powerful. In Psalm 46, we're going to be there here a bit. In Psalm 46, this, this nearness of God, this definition of knowing the presence of God is, is defined with this in Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. What that means is like, I can't know God when I'm sprinting through life. I can't know God when I'm hurried and distracted with the things of life. I, I need to learn how to be still and know the nearness of God. The context of this verse is found actually with a lot of stuff going on around us. Uh, verses four, 1 through 5 says, God are, is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That means there's trouble on the earth. Everybody could raise their hand and say, we know that. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. And it says, Salah, which means stop, consider. This is a lot what's going on on the earth. However, love this, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy dwelling places of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. How, how, how do we get there? Like we, no matter what the circumstances of life happen, it doesn't mean that we don't have seasons of grieving. It doesn't mean we don't deal with reality of hurt and pain. But in the midst of it, our soul is steady and anchored and not tossed to and fro. How do we get there? Be still and know that I am God. Thomas Kelly, in his book, A Testament of Devotion, he writes, 
We feel honestly the pull of many obligations and try to fulfill them all. And we are unhappy, uneasy, strained, oppressed, and fearful we shall be shallow. We have hints that there's a way of life vastly richer and deeper than all of this hurried existence. A life of unhurried serenity and peace and power. Does that feel real to you? Do you know when that was written? 1941. Before our friend, the iPhone. Uh, during this week, as I listened to his message, I was, I was motivated and stirred um, to learn how to be still. How many have tried that and like, can't do it? <laughs> this is really hard. Like, my mind is racing a million miles everywhere. How do you be still and know that he is God? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's something we need to learn. It's something I need to learn. <clears throat> I brought up my journal because... I'm a pastor, and I have a regular time with the Lord. Turn to me and say, you better. And this is a, a journal that was given to me by my kids. Um, they give me one every so once while they say really nice things about me in the first part of it. And, uh, and, then, and then I use the journal to, in my times with the Lord. And, I, and this one I started in July, July 14th, 2022. And I'm, I've got maybe 10 pages, 20 pages, 10 to 20 pages left to actually fill out. So I have a record with God and in his word and, and, and prayer requests that I can go back and say I was with God. But I'm going to tell you something. What I found this week is I can do this and not be fully present with God. I found myself as I was before the Lord because he was talking to me, recognizing my urge in the midst of my devotions to go to my iPhone. Not to look up words in Greek or Hebrew, but to find out how I'm doing on my steps the last three days. Or just quickly check the app for the weather for the rest of the week as it can continue to be. Or maybe, maybe look at face, mag, mag, uh, what is it called, book? Instagram, I felt this like this pull. I was constantly fighting this urge to move out of God's presence and into the worldly presence. I'm telling you as a pastor, I'm confessing to you my sins. I'm addicted to the cell phone. And I, in this moment, I, I had this aha moment where, you know, Isaiah saw the Lord and he was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he went, what did he say? What was his response? Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of unclean lips. And I thought that. I thought, woe is me. I'm a man that, that's distracted from the very presence of God by the technology that is so amazing, but so distracting. And I live amongst the people. 
that are not experiencing the nearness of God because they are distracted and fro and to, to all the different things available to us on the internet. And maybe I'm not speaking to you. If I'm not, praise God. If I am speaking to you, praise God. Then I was reminded um, by, uh, by actually by his message of Dallas Willard um, that was actually John Comer's book, John Mark Comer's book, talks about this. Um, the question is asked to Dallas Willard, what must a believer do in this society to become like Jesus? What is the one thing a believer must do in this culture to become like Jesus? And he answered, you must Eliminate, ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. I want to say this hurry is not as much about your calendar, but about your focus. Yes, we need to work on our calendar, but really, it's not the calendar as much as it's our attention. What you behold is what you become. What you give your attention to forms the disposition of your soul. What is Proverbs 23, 7? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. John Ortberg says this, hurry is not about a disordered schedule. It's about a disordered heart. So how do you fix your disordered heart? You learn how to be still and know that I am God. You can do devotions and not be present. This is what I'm trying to say. You can do church and not be present. You you can do marriage and not be present. The, The key to the nearness of God, the key to your 2023 being a phenomenal year has nothing to do with the circumstances of the year, has everything to do with you and the Lord and your presence with him. Be still and know that I am God. And I know you guys in here, there's people who have calendars. You've got lots of things. Young moms, I always feel for young moms. You've got so much going on in our culture. There's sports, there's church, there's family, there's games. Uh, these are all real things. We've got a lot on our plate. But the guy who wrote this was the king of a nation in war. Do you think he had a lot on his plate? David, the one who says, there's one thing I ask that I may dwell in the house of God. One thing that I desire, that I pursue. Let me ask the question, what, if you could plot the trajectory of your inner life, what would it look like? Would it be hurried, distracted? It's that that blinds our hearts from our beloved. The one who actually satisfies the longings of our heart is waiting to meet with you, not just in your devotions, but in your presence. I meant to mention this earlier. So if you're online and we're going to have communion here in a few minutes. So go ahead, take a break. You can actually pause, go get your communion elements. And those who are going to be passing out, go ahead and grab them. We're going to do this together. As they're going, I want to tell you, recount a story, a familiar story with, to all of you. And, and it's the story of Jesus with his disciples coming into a town where some of his closest friends lived. 
Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. You guys know the story. But I'm just wondering, you're like, like, have we thought about what it was like to all of a sudden have the Son of God show up at your doorstep with his dusty Galilean friends? Uh, can, can you wonder what it must have been like all of a sudden, like Martha, who's the amazing hospitality person and host, is thinking, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my, oh, my. And Lazarus help picking up in the house, you know, and they're getting it all ready for the Son of God, right? The Messiah. And, uh, and, and Martha and Mary, you know, I mean, it's interesting. You got two sisters, one serving Jesus and one is listening to him. One is uptight. One is up close. Martha is hurrying and Mary is hanging out. As far as we know, probably I've got a sense that Jesus didn't text on ahead, say, this is about the time I'll get there. Or email and said, this is the date. We're going to make it to your house. Thank you for hosting us. I, I don't think anything like that happened. I think because of the culture, he just like, he shows up, right? And, and Mary immediately, her mind's going, how do I serve Jesus? And, and she begins thinking about the meal that he needs to prepare. And she goes into the kitchen, you know the story. And she's preparing. She's going to whip something up to serve the Lord and his friends you know, and she's working back there fiercely. And just um, how many of you know that pastors like Martha's? They get things done, right? Pastors like, they get things done, right? So, I mean, she's getting things done, but there's something going on in her heart that's not quite right. And it has to do with envy. It has to do with competition. It has to feel, she feels like alone in her endeavor. And, and she looks at Mary, she's, oh, and they're just sitting down just sitting there, and I'm trying to help this place have a good meal. She looks at Mary. Finally, she's ticked off. She can't handle it anymore. She goes into the living room. She says, Jesus, can't you tell Mary to come help me? I'm in there working my tail end off. Can't you come tell her to help me? And Jesus says something that I think shocked her. He said, Martha, you guys know this, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needful. Mary has chosen what is better. You know what I find irony about this is you would think we would wonder if the God of creation had time for us. And yet that's the whole reason Jesus came. We would think that the God of creation would not look at us and say, we would worth being with, but this is why Jesus came, to say you are worth being with. There's nothing I want more than to be with you, and yet we have a hard time knowing how to fit him in our schedule, to quiet our hearts from all the distractions of life and be present with the Lord. There's this German artist, Hans Hoffman, says this, the abilities to simplify means to eliminate the necessary so that the necessary may speak. The interesting thing is that now that the cross is available for us, everything depends on us to draw near to him. And he says, draw near to God and he will what? James 4a, draw near to God and he will draw. He's waiting for us. And here's the thing that's really cool. I'm just going to quickly go to Psalm 46, 10, 11. 
says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. What's the interesting thing is when we learn to be present with God, we all of a sudden become transformed in people who are lovingly present with others. You see, if you're distracted with others, you're probably distracted with God. If the cell phone is the issue with you connecting with a friend or family member, then it probably is an issue with you connecting with the Lord. The things that distract you in this life from being loving with one another, present with one another, are the same things that distract us from being present with God. Here's what I want to do. We're going to have communion. Um, Marla and Mariah, you can come on head up here. I'm Marla and Tanner. Um, here's what I, one of the things that Tyler said that's helped him. He said, <clears throat> and this is what psychologists say too, the first thing you do in the morning where you, where you position your heart and the last thing you do before you go to bed are the most strategic times to capture. The first thing you set your heart on and exercise your heart towards when you get up in the morning and the last thing you do before you go to sleep are the ones that impact your life. Those moments impact your life more than any other moments, according to psychologists, sociologists. <clears throat> he said, one of the things I've done that's helped me be still before God is I memorized Psalm 23. And I began my quiet time by sitting in Psalm 23. And then I go into silence before the Lord. And I just wait. And I let him interrupt my distracted life with his peace, his love, and his joy. Here's what I want us to do. Are you going to give that? Is I want us to stand. Actually, I'm not. I want us to close our eyes and, and just as an act of physical faith and surrender, as we talked about, put your hands in front of you. <coughs> Let's just take 15, 20 seconds to quiet our hearts and purpose to be present with the Lord. And just listen to David's recite of his walk with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That phrase, I shall not want, has to do more with being satisfied, being content with his presence. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in, in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Just take a moment. Take a deep breath. Let it out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You restore our souls. You guide me in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. 
And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Some of you need comfort in this room. He says, your rod and your staff, they, they comfort me. Thank you, God, for your presence to comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, even in the wars of life, there is an availability of the blessings of God in my internal world. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thank you, God. You've anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. That's that word abundant. Not containable, God. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell. Somebody say, I will dwell, I will dwell in, the house in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Lord, I ask that you would mark this group of people in this church and this pastor with your presence in 2023, that we would become a people of your presence because we were fully present with you. I thank you, Father, for the cross that opens the door for perfect love to be expressed from a father to his kids. And I invite you for that for every person in the room in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going we're gonna to sing this song, and then Jason and Mariah, you guys can head up during the singing it and lead us in communion.